Hello, and welcome to 8 Minutes to Ageless, the podcast committed to teaching you the minimalistic approach to becoming bold and not old. On this 20-minute weekly podcast, you will learn how to care for your body and mind while spending the bare minimum amount of time to be successful. I know that life is full, so full that we tend to put our own needs on the back burner and in some cases are simply too confused to figure out what to do, so we do nothing. This podcast is designed to help you leave regrets behind and start caring for yourself no matter your age, so you can grow older and like it, and I might say even love it. My name is Dr. Kelly Pearson, and I am the host of this podcast. I'm a practicing chiropractic physician and author of 8 Minutes to Ageless. Over the past 40 years, my patients have taught me so much about what not to do that I finally just had to get this book written and podcast started. But before we begin, I want to thank all of you who read my book and keep sending me inspiring comments that you're getting your life back. That makes all the difference and makes me smile. Hello again, Dr. Kelly Pearson here with 8 Minutes to Ageless, and today we are going to complete the last of the upper body stretches. And then when we get to the final six, it'll be more about the lower back. But this one is really important. And again, the two bounce protocol is what we're up to where we go a little towards our soft edge and come back and then go a little bit further. So all these stretches are really comfortable, but they're designed to take you through every single cardinal range of motion of the body. You know, that brings me to a point that I haven't shared so far, but the definition of aging, you know, there's lots of different definitions of aging, but I like to remind people that it is the cumulative loss of range of motion of any joint in your body. So the more you suffer from stiffness of the joints and you add one more joint to the mix, maybe because you've hurt yourself and yet again have not gone in for treatment or not tried to fix it yourself, just ignored it, you've lost that range of motion. And that is just one more reason why it's clear when people see you that you're old, that you're older, that your stiffness is your dead giveaway about the fact that your body is not doing as well as it should. And again, remember that our brain is always recording feedback from all of our joints. And if you don't have feedback from your joint because it's stiff, Instead of your brain getting 100% of the data it needs to know where it is in time and space and what it should do next with itself, it's operating on less material, on a smaller amount of data. And so it's not going to be making the best decisions. You might lose your ability to be as agile. You might lose your ability to know where you are in time and space. You might lose your balance a little easier. You might not remember things as readily. All of these reasons that we want to keep our body moving is not just so we look good, although that's not a bad reason in and of itself, but it's so we function better and we're smarter as a result. So today we're going to talk about a movement where your arms are going to be reaching up over your head, but not to stretch the side wall as we did on the third stretch, but really to get your arms up up in flexion and extension. And when I say flexion, I mean when you bring your arm up in front of your body, and while you do that, the other arm is going back, and then you switch, and the other arm goes up and behind your body as the other arm also goes behind your body. So essentially you're trying to get both arms to go behind your body at the same time. The difference is one is over your ear, and the other is down by your side. But before I get into that, 
I want to explain that this is really a profound ability to move your body. This is not just about moving your shoulders back. This is not just about getting your, your shoulder girdle to move. But it's also a motion that is dedicated to getting your wing bones or your scapula to move along its spectrum of movement. So you have these scapula or wing bones that are behind your middle back. And it's kind of like where if you had wings, you they would stick out. But obviously, we never had wings. But nonetheless, that's where they would be. And these bones are really floating bones. They float up over the the rib cage. And how they how they stay sturdy or stable is a lot of the muscles in and around the areas contract and hold that the scapula in place. Before any of this makes sense, let me just say that when we engage a muscle, you're choosing by virtue of what movement you're planning to do to stabilize one of the places that the muscle is attaching, to stabilize it, and that the other place where the muscle is attaching, you're trying to bring that closer to your intended target. So for instance, if let's say you know, everybody, most people know where their biceps is, and their biceps, it does help to bring your hand closer to your shoulder as you bend at the elbow, like Popeye, you know, is always squeezing to get his little biceps muscles to stick up. That's one of the things your biceps can do. And so that is one side of the muscle saying, I'm one part of the body holding tight and the other part of the body approximating it, getting closer so that the muscle can act. Now the scapula, even though they're free floating bones, if you have the ability for that scapula to be stabilized because the muscles in the middle of the back, and I'll name some of them, the serratus posterior, serratus anterior, the rhomboid, the lower trap. When these muscles are engaging, they can keep your scapula fixed and stable to your rib cage, which is really, really important when you are trying to contract a muscle that, let's say, attaches to your neck and also your scapula. So there's a muscle, the levator scapula, levator meaning to elevate, scapula to elevate. When it contracts, it can bring your, your scapula upward towards your ear. However, if, and that's if your spine is stable, but now let's say you want to bend your neck. If you can stabilize the scapula by engaging the muscles around that area, as I mentioned, some of them, the trapezius and the rhomboid and the serratus and the lap, if you can stabilize those muscles so the scapula stays firmly affixed to the rib cage, then when it contracts and pulls on the neck, the neck will bend to the left. Fabulous. So it's very important that the scapula can actually be part of your repertoire of movement. And when you're bringing one arm up over your head and moving it back of your body, the other arm is down to your side and moving it back. As you're doing that with that two balance protocol, first you find your soft edge and then you go a little bit farther and then switch and the other arm goes up over your head, being as close to your ear as possible as it's moving back. If you think about the wing bones can, uh, moving downward towards your back pocket, is as if you can get it to your back pocket, which of course you cannot. But you're trying to get those wing bones to kind of move down 
towards your back pocket as you're engaging those muscles that control the scapular placement. And we call those muscles collectively the scapular retractors. They retract the scapula and hold it stable in place. This particular stretch absolutely stretches kind of a combination of the areas we've talked about. It stretches the anterior chain and the posterior chain and the, and the lateral chain and a little bit of the spiral chain. It's also very, very good about trying to keep you capable of engaging your scapula so it can be secure. Because here's the deal. If your mid-back muscles get weak, you don't own the ability to control them. You will definitely have either shoulder or neck pain or probably both. And in actual fact, let me give you a case example of a patient that came in with shoulder pain. Every time she lifted her shoulder up to the side of her body, she'd get about 90 degrees and feel this pinch, hurt like heck, and then if she went a little bit farther, she could kind of get past the pain. It wasn't so bad. It's a classic example of what we call impingement syndrome. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more as we continue with our program. It's really important to understand this, but in her case, the reason her shoulder was hurting was because when she was using the muscles that were trying to elevate her humerus, her, her arm bone up over her head, the muscles that were being asked to work were also attached to the scapula, but because the scapula wasn't fixed and stable by those other muscles and it was riding up willy-nilly, the shoulder took the hit. The muscle attaching to the shoulder and the scapula was saying, no, 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 to the scapula, you stay, you stay there, you stay stable. So when I pull on you, the shoulder can work more efficiently. This is a really complicated but very cool range of motion that the body is capable of doing. But because she hadn't really done any movement to get her scapular retractors engaging and moving, when she lifted her shoulder up, it was just pure shoulder motion and the scapula wasn't gliding the way it should because she hadn't been practicing it. And this movement that we're teaching you here will help you practice that. So what I did was I then acted, I put my hands on her scapula on the side of her shoulder pain, and I, I acted like what would happen if those scapular retractors were engaging. And I held that scapula down, kind of moving it gently towards her back pocket. And then I said, now try moving your shoulder. And she moved her shoulder up, and there was no pain at all zero pain because the scapula was, although, you know, it was pretending to be stable because I was its helper, but the point was when that those muscles were working and the scapula was gliding properly, the muscle that was lifting her shoulder could rely on the scapula to stay fixed. And now the humeral head glided in the right direction, that part of the arm, and boom, there was no more impingement. Having seen that, she realized, oh, I see, I need to learn how to use those muscles. I need to actually get stronger in that area. And that's really all the incentive she needed. We gave her a couple more exercises to make that area a little more intelligent. And boom, her shoulder pain was gone. And prior to that point, she was actually thinking she was going to need an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and so the good news is she, she did, and she was able to move through that really, really well. So listen, if this sounds a little bit complicated, it's because it is. My point is here though, if you're moving your arms like this, you're going to be engaging critical movement in the mid-back that will protect your shoulder and neck down the road, bottom line. And that's probably the most important thing you need to recognize. 
So as a reminder, please know that I'm actually going to be putting some pictures of the scapular retractors on the show notes here for you to review. But also, again, if you ever have any questions for me, you can always contact me via the website um, for this podcast, 8minutestoageless.org. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys very much, and I look forward to next week where we start learning how to stretch the lower extremity. In keeping with my minimalistic approach to life, I keep this podcast short and only add the most critical points, not adding fluff. So for today, we are done, but I hope you will do a few minutes of the good stuff we talked about. If you have not picked up the book, you can get it on Amazon. The website, 8minutestoageless.org, will have the show notes and any videos that I mentioned on this podcast. I thank you for spending your precious 20 minutes with me. And as always, you can reach out and contact me via the website. Remember, one day at a time, you are getting bolder and not older. I look forward to seeing you next week.